Welcome, everybody, to another Can Mayonnaise Kill a Jedi podcast. I am your host, the Artificial Dragon. I'm your co-host, Hannah. All right, and this is our 27th episode. Our 25th episode started with the uh, Voz episode that you hosted a couple of episodes ago, obviously. Um, And we are... This much closer to getting to 30 episodes. I'm excited. I'm very excited. Especially with uh, May 4th just literally around the corner and everything. I'm so excited for all the Star Wars content that's going to be coming out May 4th. Yeah, and speaking of that... uh, Okay, before we get into that, um, if you... The lovely audience and new viewers that just popped in love the content that we make. We have uh, patreon.com slash canmayo. Once again, that is patreon.com slash canmayo. And for this month, specifically April, we have our lovely Cad Bane Patreon art piece flexing his abs. And he's got the fastest fingers in the West, if you know what I mean. Join the dark side. We not only have cookies, we have fan art. Yep, and those goddamn, those abs. You could cut diamonds with those abs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, if you're not interested in the Patreon art piece, that's our highest tier for $10, or, you know, just want to contribute however you can, our lowest is $2, and you'll have instant access to our Discord server. Uh, we have a lot of fun over there. It's a small community still, but... We still have uh, very good discussions. Uh, one of our most recent Patreons is actually a huge Fraun fan, and it's been a lot of fun talking to him. Yeah, they met uh, Timothy Zan at a convention. I'm so fucking jealous! And had a nice little fizz bump with uh, Dave Filoni himself at a convention. How does it feel to live <laughs> a dream? How does it feel to be poor? <laughs> well, one of these days, we'll go to one of those conventions and uh, meet our heroes in the Star Wars community. Fingers crossed, dude. Fingers crossed. And that is actually a nice little segue for a Star Wars celebration that came out at the time of uh, this video posted on YouTube a couple of weeks ago. Um, so let's go ahead and do a short little discussion on uh, the new shows that are coming out. Obviously, the new ones that... Me and Hannah are very excited for is the Ahsoka TV show. Because live-action Thrawn, bitches! Yep. Lars Mikkelsen is making a comeback as Thrawn! (laughs) Yeah, that's also very exciting. Also, we're going to get some appearances from good old Rebels uh, cast with Harrison Dula, Sabine Wren, Chopper, the whole shebang and everything. Ewan McGregor's wife is playing Hera, which I think is so fucking cool. It is cool, yeah. It's it's awesome. It's including bits of every bit of Star Wars media yeah. up until now. And it's just, you know, it's great. Yeah. Other I, people think that, you know, oh, Dave Filoni is bringing in too much, but no. I mean, like, I, I get where they're coming from. Dave Filoni, is it really necessary to put in all these fan favorite characters in a galaxy as expansive as the Star Wars universe? Probably, but let the man do his thing. But, you know... Looking at it from the timeline point of view, it makes sense. Yeah. Because, you know, Thrawn and the Rebels are involved with Ahsoka. Very even though true, I have yeah. not watched Rebels yet. I need <laughs> to get to that. Yeah, um, I wasn't a huge fan of Rebels when it first came out. Just kind of a little bit childish. But as the seasons continued on with season two and season three, it got really, really good. From what I've seen, the animation is just weird. I mean, yeah, it's weird. I mean, then again, so is the Clone Wars with uh, that gigantic face that Dooku has. True. <laughs> they made Yoda look really ugly. Eh. In Rebels, I mean. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Um, a lot of people like to joke that's the Chinese version of Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> yep, good day. <laughs> but anyway, that aside, um, I think I've also shown you that uh, picture of... The post that uh, another YouTube creator, Eckhart's Letter, show, showed when he was uh, doing a screenshot of Sabine Wren on the speeder bike. Probably a view of her ass, but he was trying to point to that ship in the background. Yeah, check out the E-Wing, not the Mando ass. <laughs> but everybody's focusing on that nice orange booty. Yeah, the ass ship. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, look at the ship. Yeah, the ass ship. Anyway, that aside, Ahsoka, looking forward to that. Looking forward to more Ahsoka. I know a lot of people are kind of tired of Ahsoka at that point, but Ahsoka, really good character. 
Also, I was talking to you about Visions is getting a season yep. two. Yep, Visions is getting a season two of good old claymation and everything. Claymation, there's all kinds of other animation, and it's included around the world. Yep. Which I think is fucking awesome. And a lot of these stories are non-canon, so you don't have to worry about it conflicting with the timeline of Star Wars and everything, much like the first season of Visions. Um, of course, there's not going to be a lot of over-the-top anime stuff like they did with uh, the first season of Visions, but... It's really gorgeous to look at, still. Oh, yeah. It, the, the claymation, especially, is what caught my eye. Yeah. Because it looks like, uh, you know, uh, Coraline and Paranorman, like the, the Leica Studios yeah. did that. But I know it's not the same studio. No, no. It also gives me a little bit of uh, Wallace and Gromit vibes. Yeah, it does look like Wallace and Gromit. Yeah, I love those cartoons so much. But yeah, it's just new creativity being brought to the Star Wars universe, and it's not canon. It just gives the people who are creating this the creative liberty to do what they want, which yeah. I fucking adore. Yeah, and as a uh, filmmaker myself, that's what I always appreciate about uh, fellow directors, fellow animators, and all that stuff. Just putting what they want to convey in the Star Wars universe without conflicting with the main timeline and everything. There are multiple things that can happen in this galaxy far, far away. Yeah. And that's kind of why I go the approach of my Star Wars D&D campaign not being canon, because it gives me a lot more creative freedoms that way. Yep. Yeah, especially when uh, one of my characters killed Hondo Onaka by garroting his head off. <laughs> <laughs> and then another one scarred Count Dooku with Force Lightning. Yeah. Fortunately, he's still alive, but yeah. <laughs> Making but still, sure. it's those kind of little tweaks made to canon, quote unquote. Yeah. That makes it fun. And let me see, anything... Oh yeah, fucking uh, Daisy Ridley is coming back as Rey. Yes, I saw that. Well, I am somewhat excited that she's making a comeback. I just hope that the writers actually do something with her character. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't have anything against the actor herself. I think she's fine. She no, did da the... Daisy, Daisy Ridley is totally fine. Yeah, she did the best she could. It's just the... <laughs> A lot of people tend to forget that the actors aren't the ones to blame for conveying the character. It's the writing. Exactly. It's the writers who do this, who make shit characters. Yeah. Like Hayden Christian, whoever played the uh, young Anakin in episode one. That's not their fault that they have such cringy dialogue, as most people like to say. Yep. They did the best they could. Yeah, exactly. They did the best they could. Yep. It's the writer's fault. Yeah. For making, for writing such shit characters. Uh, and let me see, anything else? <laughs> Rosemary Sue. Yeah. <laughs> but from what I've heard, it's going to take place after the, uh, the uh, Rise of Skywalker, where she, you know, recreates the Jedi Order and everything. For what, the third fucking time? <laughs> for time's the charm, as most say. <laughs> I um, also saw that Old Republic, uh content is going to be made which i'm fucking ecstatic about yeah they're also going to take on dawn of the jedi which that's awesome yeah yeah it's going to be fucking awesome also speaking of uh jedi there's going to be a season two of tales of a jedi i saw that too <laughs> yeah i'm looking forward to uh i hope as much as i love uh post order 60 like six timeline of star wars i do hope they explore more jedi council members oh yeah like Plo Koon. That is a perfect opportunity for Plo Koon. Where he uh, finds Ahsoka. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, even, you know, him work, or, uh, like, sorry. The brain fart, yep. I mean, it could even show us, like, a daily life at the Jedi Temple. Yeah, that that's usually you know, not something give we us see. More, give us more of an in-look at what, how the Jedi Temple runs. Yeah. Yeah, very I mean, true. We barely have anything on that. Mm -hmm. Let me see. Uh, oh, yeah. There's a couple of other ones. Uh, Lando Calrissian is going to have his own series. Nice. It's made by, uh, played by the same actor who played him in uh, the Solo movie. I forget his name, but I heard he's a good actor. Danny Glover? I Danny think? Glover, yeah. Nice. And then let's see. Uh, there's a couple of others. There's... I'm not sure if they're doing Rangers of a New Republic. I think that's going to get canceled because, you know, the the MMA fighter that got canceled or something. Hmm. Anyway, that aside. Um, I'm not cut up on that. <laughs> we also have a couple of other TV shows like The Skeleton Crew. 
Um, don't know too much about its synopsis, but it's apparently like a horror story, that sort of thing. And The Acolyte, which takes place in the High Republic era. That sounds so cool. Yeah, I've, I've heard it's going to be a uh, mystery thriller series where a Jedi Master and Apprentice investigates a murder, uh, a series of murders across the galaxy and everything. Sounds cool. Yeah. Considering the only High Republic content we've gotten is the books. And the comics, yeah. And the comics. Yeah. Um, what else am I missing? Uh... <laughs> somebody's probably going to say in the comments why didn't you mention so and so yeah um. they, synopsis, there's a lot of stuff that came out we're all excited about it Yeah, we're just um, touching on the ones noteworthy not really noteworthy but the ones that we've heard about yeah and then there's the new Indiana Jones movie but who cares about that <laughs> Harrison Ford just needs to retire at this point yeah poor Harrison Ford um, I'll probably watch it regardless just to me uh, too because yeah. Indiana Jones is part of my childhood yeah Fucking love Crystal Skull. Fucking love that movie. Eh, Crystal Skull. <laughs> Crystal Skull jumped the shark. Temple of Doom was my favorite. Yeah, to each their own. Temple of Doom is pretty good, though. But yeah, good for good for uh, Harrison Ford to you know keep 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 doing what he's doing. Yeah. Even though he looks like he's ancient. <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, um, so with that little news out of the way, all the things that we're excited about, let's go ahead and get back to the main meat of this episode. Now, I'm pretty sure uh, after all that discussing about the new uh, canon stuff, you probably know what we're talking about, Hannah. Yes. We are talking about the <laughs> uh, Pius Dea Crusades? You're close. Uh, the Pius Dea Crusades, yes. Ah. Um... Deus Volt. <laughs> but no, like, it's ironic. We were talking about the new canon shit, and then we're taking a deep dive into the obscure legends shit. Yep. And this one is particularly obscure, because there's like... It originally comes from a single codex entry in the... in Swator. Really? Yeah, you know those uh, data terminals that you go to to click on and it's like this thing has been added to your codex that sort of thing yep you can do it with all kinds of shit yeah the Pius Dia Crusade is one of those background conflicts that you find in a codex in Swator I'm not sure where but yeah it's there I have completed almost all the storylines and have never come across it yeah um let's see what else oh yeah and then it's getting it's expanded upon in several source books there's like uh in the codex of Swator it's basically like a paragraph or two but it's expanded upon in a lot of source books but anyway um unlike the previous episodes i actually have a quote that's spoken by the chancellor of the time okay <clears throat> here we stand at the extremity of our exertion having cast behind us the idols of our fathers to once again carry to our foe the penalties due their sacrilege Come perdition or hard vacuum, the Republic expects that every citizen will do his duty. Spoken by Supreme Chancellor Centipax for the inaugural oration. Huh. So yeah, um, before we get into uh, the Pius Dias Crusade, just to give you a uh, general idea. Um, so this conflict happens relatively in the middle of the Republic's history, and just a good context for... Uh, the Republic is absolutely ancient, like 25,000 years old. Jesus. Yeah, um, just to give you a perspective, the Infinite Empire, it's been around for 10,000 years. And then the original Sith Empire, 1900. Uh, Vitiate Sith Empire, 1300. And uh, <laughs> even in our modern context, uh, the Roman Empire has been around for 1,000 years. So it's been longer, it's been around longer than the fucking Roman Empire. Yep. It's been around for... God damn. <laughs> I think the only other faction that's slightly older than the Republic is the Jedi Order. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Just slightly. Like, I think by 900s. Damn. Yeah. Um, which is ironic because the Republic has gotten so much shit and it's been on the brink of collapse multiple times. It's all like, how are you still alive? Mm-hmm. But anyway, um... The Republic always comes back. It's like a fucking cockroach. It's like a cockroach, but you... Much like a cockroach, you gotta appreciate its endurance throughout the galaxy and everything. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, so this particular event in its history, um... So this conflict, the Pius Dia era slash crusade, happens 
way before the first encounters between for the uh, Republic and the Sith Empire, the Great Hyperspace War and all that. Okay. The Hi- Great Hyperspace War, I believe, uh, happens at around, uh, f- oh yeah, 5,000 years before the Battle of Yavin. Jesus! So yeah, if you really think about it, the uh, con- the legendary rivalry between the Republic and the Sith is like the last 25% of the Republic's history and everything. Yeah, Looking at it from, you know, where it all started, mm-hmm. that's a lot to expand on. It is, yeah. It just shows how much you can expand on one simple idea. Yes, exactly. And it's also like uh, a lot of artists, like whenever they look at the lore, they're thinking, okay, how can I do this certain thing that I want to convey without it impacting the current canon or something like that? With a Republic... It's got a long history that you could add to. Like, maybe there's a certain incident there. Maybe there's a certain battle there. As long as it doesn't affect this half of timeline. Yeah. That's, it's just a gold mine for uh, lore writers and everything that want to get into Star Wars and contribute. And that's what I really appreciate about Star Wars as a whole. There's just a whole lot that you could add to it. Oh, yeah. Um, but let me see... Uh, so, before we get into the Pius Dias, um, the Republics began its, uh, <laughs> the beginnings of a Republic. Um, there were the core worlds, like Coruscant, Duros, Corellia, all the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of got together, made themselves a union, a, uh, and they started expanding to other corners of the galaxy as much as they could. And the first era of a Republic would be called the Expansionist Era, which lasted from 25,053 years before the Battle of Yavin to 20,000 years before the Battle of Yavin. Jesus. Um, where the Young Republic would establish new trade routes from the core world into much of the inner rim, uh, mid-rim, and outer rim parts of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Basically creating highways in space to other parts of the galaxy and everything. Yep. Um... So, let me see. They created a legendary Polymerian trade route, which is basically the Route 66 of Star Wars. Okay. Yeah, it's very legendary and one of the first. And at around this period, they have first made contact with the Jedi Order on Ossus. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, and around this period, they went to war with another rival faction in the Tyon Cluster. We briefly mentioned that in the uh, Voss episode. Yep. Um... And then, after all that shit, on to the next period, called the Great Manifest Period, lasting from 20,000 to 17,000 years before the Battle of Yavin, which involved the Republic expanding more and establishing sectors, as well as helping establish the government of other member worlds. Like, basically, hey, this is how you do government. Do this, 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 this. Just more uh, government making and everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and of course they go into other conflicts with other factions, especially the, uh, a a rival core world, not core world, outer rim world called Eliscan, which became one of the first of, uh, anyway, moving on, um, growing (laughs) more and more and more. And at this period in time, the Republic would gain a huge influence and would at this point have like a little over a million worlds at its disposal and everything. And that's in the ancient times. In ancient times, yes. Good lord. <laughs> um, as it grew more and more, the Republic um, would begin to mix and match with many alien cultures with their own different philosophies, different approaches on society and everything. And it just was just a huge um, mixing pot of just cultures and everything. Mm-hmm. And you got to keep in mind, even in the beginning, even though it had like the Duros and a couple of other aliens that helped make the Republic, a majority of its founders were humans. Of course. Yeah. Um, and a lot of these uh, humans saw all these different cultures from aliens and other different uh, ethnicities across the galaxy starting to delude their own cultures more and more by mix matching and it kind of grove grew this little resentment underneath the surface <coughs> racist. <laughs> yeah even in the early periods of republic was kind of racist i'm not surprised yeah the imperials are worse yeah and it would come to a boiling point at around the commodian era and 
the Republic started to allow people to colonize multiple worlds, problem was, a couple of these worlds were getting dangerously close to the, to the space dominated by the huts. Yeah, I can see why. Yeah, and the huts were all like, you fucking humans, pieces of shit, get off of our, get off of our lawns. So the huts had established a foothold in the galaxy long before this happened. Yeah, they, I think the huts kind of rival the Republic in terms of longevity in the galaxy. Maybe a little bit younger, I'm not too sure. Wow. But at around this period, the HUD cataclysms happened, which is one Vera, one Vera god went supernova and destroyed their original homeworld. Uh-huh. And they were kind of expanding to other planets because they saw themselves as, the, as these divine beings that think it's their right to rule the galaxy and everything. Yep. And they sponsored uh, many slavers to take over these colony worlds and taking many humans as slaves and everything. So, you know, for resentment growing more and more, the Huts being very unpopular with the Republic. Of course. <laughs> Who likes the Huts? Yeah. I don't think anybody does. Yeah. Unless and, you're a shitty person. Yeah. Even though the Huts weren't the main contributing factor to this, they were kind of a uh, contributor, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Not the main influence, but a contributor to this. Okay. And... Uh, this ideology by, uh, it's called human centralism, which is basically human domination and all that stuff. And this idea became a very prominent ideology. And it grew from a basic uh, idea and philosophy to a religion. And that is where a new cult was made. In particular, the Pius Deus cult. Yeah, the Pius Dia movement began on Coruscant itself. Initially, it was created as a faith that wanted to clamp down on corruption and purging the unredeemable, if you will. Hmm. Yeah, um... Well, sounds like a certain crusade that we all know of. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, the Pius Dias, um, they're kind of interesting. I kind of wish they expand more on its practices and everything like mm-hmm. that, but I think what we have right here is enough. Um, the Pius Dia is a monotheistic religion where the main deity they worship is an entity they call the goddess. Okay. And members of his religion adhere to a strict moral code, emphasizing spiritual purity and the supremacy of humanity and the galaxy. They see humanity as the purest form, the most divine of races in the galaxy. I can't stop comparing it to the original <laughs> crusade. That we had. Oh yeah, it's exactly like that. Oh dear God! And uh, and for uh, our forty k fans out there, yes, this is very similar to the Imperium of Man, where they see everything that isn't human as scum and need to be exterminated and everything. Yay, racism! Uh, <laughs> yay. Xenophobia. Xenophobia too. <laughs> you, I'm not sure if you watch fully through our episodes, but there's this meme I always put up where it's like, let us celebrate the one thing that unites us all. Xenophobia. <laughs> That's a uh, meme from uh, 40k because point is, the main faction, human faction, the Imperium of Man are religious zealots that hate all aliens and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Xenophobia is very popular. It is very popular in uh, 40k, but we'll go away from that for a little bit and focus on this one. Um, So let me see. And their idea is, they look at the vastness of our outer rim, where the huts are, where all these alien races are, and they see the outer rim as the embodiment of chaos. Which is, in a way, true, considering how lawless it becomes in the future. Oh, especially how lawless it becomes in the future. Yeah, but their kind of idea is, okay, we represent order. The Xenos in the Outer Rim represent chaos, and we must quell this chaos and bring order to all. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, um, let me see. Uh, they also believed it's their main duty to, you know, go to these corners of the galaxy while gaining treasures and ancient secrets from previous human civilizations that uh, were in the Outer Rim and are now extinct and everything. Um, while the cult has large ambitions and worrying ideologies, 
it was kind of seen as this minor movement, you know, that uh, that random cult that just stirs things here and there. Like, eh, they're not they're not harming anybody. Who cares? We'll just let them do their thing. You know, just whatever. Like activists yep. in the modern day. Oh God! Here they come with signs. Just just <laughs> ignore them. It's what they want. <laughs> yep. But anyway, um, so even though it. It's been like this for several centuries, though in one one of their most faithful would rise out of their ranks to change the galaxy forever. Um enter the individual named Syntax the First. He was a human born on Coruscant itself, and no, I don't have any pictures, unfortunately. You don't have <laughs> any pictures. That's surprising. Yeah, a, a lot of things that come out of the Pius Diaz Crusade. Uh, there's a couple of pictures here and there, but I'll show those when I get a chance. Nothing so. concrete. Nothing concrete, no. Um, so, Syntapex the first. He was a pure, purebred human from Coruscant itself. <laughs> And he became a prominent uh, member within the Coruscant Merchants Guild. I don't know what exactly that is. I assume it's like a... Uh... This sounds very similar to something else from history. <laughs> I'm sure it does. Um, point is, he's a prominent member and probably does a lot of trading and everything, making him very wealthy. And he actually rose up to become a uh, senator within the Galactic Senate. Mm. And then... Uh... Being a prominent member of a Pius Dia, he was seen as a stepping stone to seize power within the Republic. Mm-hmm. And allowing the, you know, the Pius Dia to expand its religious ideologies be- beyond Coruscant itself. And actually, you know, kill some Xeno scum for once. Oh <laughs> um, the current Supreme Chancellor of the time was a boffin named Pius Lea, But at around this time... He was impeached by uh, the entirety of a Galactic Senate when they were being manipulated by the Pius Dias from within. Fucking <laughs> and then, mysteriously, after he was impeached, he was assassinated. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why. Um, it wasn't found out until like several centuries later. But he was assassinated by this uh, as ancient assassin's guild named the Melkite Poisoner. Mm-hmm. They're kind of his background faction, but another thing I love about Star Wars. Um, so you remember that uh, that uh, assassin droid that uh, Sam Wiesel used to try and kill Padme in Episode Two? Uh huh. That was created by those guys. Really? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, just a couple of those background details I appreciate. So that technology lasted all the way until yeah, into the modern era. They have been the around quote unquote modern <laughs> era. <laughs> yeah. There's wow. a lot of secret societies that have been around in Star Wars for centuries. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Nice little detail. Yeah. Um, so, assassinated, and everybody in the Galactic Senate looked at Centipex, and they elected him as the new Supreme Chancellor of the Republic. I'm just going to say two words. <laughs> Go on. Sieg Heil. <laughs> Sieg Heil. Um, now that they have a... Um, a Huge devotee to their cause, the Pius Dia saw that they have new power by taking the the hose of power of the Republic itself. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Uh, and the Pius Dia changed the Republic to its own specifications, managing to seize full control over po- key political and economy of the Republic while eliminating all opposition. Like, pretty much every single senator within the Republic was replaced with those loyal to the Pius Dia. Of course. Yep. And Vitiate did the same thing. Yep, pretty much. Um, well, the first several decades of a Republic would turn, it would turn from a democratic Republic and into a theocracy, where many of the positions within the Galactic Senate and the military were reserved exclusively for members of a religious cult. And Syntapex forming was formed his own dynasty, so that whenever he was impeached or deposed, it would just be someone of his bloodline and everything, mm-hmm. um, or if he died of natural causes, that sort of thing. B- 
Because even though it's a theocracy, a dictatorship, if you will, they got to put up the uh, illusion that, oh, this is all done democratically. It just happens to be this other guy that has my name and everything. Like, throughout the entirety of the <laughs> Pius Diaz rule over Republic, there were 19 centipegs that took the... Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it was a long-ass dynasty. Wow. Yeah, there were like Centipax the first to Centipax the 19th. Jesus. Yeah. Um, and within two to three generations, these posts became hereditary positions within the Galactic Senate and the Republic military. Mm -hmm. So pretty much it was religious zealots that took these positions. Um, and it created a culture of nepotism, which is... Pretty similar to what the Galactic Empire and the Sith Empire did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, See, everybody, the Galactic, they're... <laughs> the Republic ain't the good guys either. No, no. And by, by uh, 11,500 BBY, the sect's vast uh, Republic Navy had been converted as followers of a faith. Each one of them devoted and religious zealots that believe in the purity of humanity. Holy hell. And all of these, and all of those that didn't believe in the same faith, or weren't human in general, would just be seen as dissidents, heretics, and apostates, whom they designate as prescribed, which ultimately resulted in the loss of their civil liberties and everything. Yep. So yeah, um, even though a lot of, they didn't, they weren't executing aliens left and right just yet. They were just kind of... Just yet? <laughs> just yet. We're about to get to the Crusades, remember? Oh, God. <laughs> so, with the I, now the Supreme Chancellor of the Republic, he immediately sanctioned the first of many Crusades. And the first Crusade uh, would be against the Huts in particular. Because... <laughs> as I like to mention before, everybody has a raging a murder boner in Star Wars. Yep. And they hated the Huts in particular. Yep. Yeah, and... Uh, Makes sense. The Huts <laughs> aren't the greatest people. Yeah. And, species. Yeah. During this opening crusade, the Republic would use multiple planets and military out... Multiple planets as military outposts and scouting bases. And they were given the abbreviation of Ordnance slash Regional Depot, or Orj for short. Mm -hmm. So you remember the planet Ord Mantel, which is the starting point for the smuggler and the Republic Trooper? Yep. That was one of those worlds. Wow. Yeah, each world that had Ord in the beginning, Ord Mantel, so on and so forth, those were just Republic bases on the planet-wide scale. Yeah, um, and the Republic Navy itself would go through a major overhaul, beginning with the creation of one of the most iconic parts of a Pius Deus Crusade era, and these were the cathedral ships. Wait a minute. I sent it to the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, uh, there we go. The Pius Deus uh, cathedral ships. Like, this is legit the only image of that era that what I can find. What the fuck is that thing? Yeah, there are literal cathedrals filled with uh, followers of Pius Deus uh, religion and everything. It, from the front, it looks like an imperial dreadnought. It does, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, and they just... That thing's just covered in guns. <laughs> it's covered in guns and religious monuments. <laughs> Like, God. we're bringing the will of the goddess to all, die Zeno scum. Oh my. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, and this is why a lot of people like to call this era of the Star Wars universe as basically the Republic turning into the Imperium of Man. Because for context, they are also a religious extremism state that have their own religions and also cathedral ships and everything. I know zero about Warhammer, but yeah. They literally, yeah. they literally have shit. space nuns. Oh my god. <laughs> At least the, the Peace Day of Crusades don't have space nuns. <laughs> as far as we know. Anyway. As far as we know. <laughs> oh my god. They probably could have and they just forgot to put it in there. Probably. <laughs> but yeah, those fucking cathedral ships are fucking awesome. The thumbnail artist who uh, drew that. 
uh, the thumbnail art and everything did a great job on. Oh yeah, yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah, and um, shout out for the thumbnail artist. Uh, they do thumbnail art for another podcast series called Adept is Ridiculous. I highly recommend you guys go watch them. Really good. Thank you again for making the art. Uh, kind sir, can't remember your name at the current moment, <laughs> but thank you very much. Input text here. Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, um, everything was dependent on the Pius Dia cult to the point where each military unit within the Republic military had religious commissars who basically are just kind of military officers checking all the soldiers, making sure that they're, you know, saying their prayers, doing their religious fervor and everything. And there's a unit in the uh, in 40K called the Commissar, who are basically like morale officers, who basically tell the, uh, the uh, soldiers to go charge into the enemy. And if they run the other way, they'll just shoot them. Of course. Yeah. I'm not sure if the uh, Pius Dia... Cause Commissar does the exact same thing. I would not doubt it. <laughs> and the Imperials do it, so I'm not yeah. surprised. But yeah, like the Pius Dia uh, battle cry is basically along the lines of the goddess wills it. Same as Deus Vote. Deus Vote. <laughs> so yeah, this. Let me see. This period, the Pius Dia era of the galaxy, lasted for. Well over a thousand years. Oh my god! Yeah, there was a, uh, the Republic was a, a state of religious extremism for a thousand years. Holy shit! Yeah. Why? I, <laughs> Why did no one try to stop it? Well, um, you do have to keep in mind, the Republic was, you know, it had over a million worlds. Where the fuck were the Jedi? <laughs> okay, I'll actually get to the Jedi. So in like the, uh, I think two, the first 2,000 years, the Jedi were kind of just there, just chilling. But then they saw all of this shit going on. You know, the extermination of aliens, the killing of those that don't believe in Pius Dia's faith. They were all like, uh, let me actually get to my uh, notes real quickly. Fuck. Um, I went really far in my notes. Uh, so basically there was a period where the Jedi were like... You guys are fucking crazy. We don't, <laughs> we don't want to take part in this bullshit anymore. We're going back to Osis to stay in a state of neutrality. Fuck off. Exactly. Fuck you. Yeah, they just went to Osis to do their own thing while the galaxy burns around them and everything. <laughs> and, of this course... This is fine. <laughs> this is fine. Of course, there were a couple of notable Jedi that... Engaged in, you know, Batman tactics, vigilantism against him uh -huh. and everything. However, there were other Jedi that looked at all this shit and they were like, I'm down, man. I like what you're doing here. Oh, no. <laughs> and they also became followers of a Pius Dias crusade. What made it so appealing? I don't get it. <laughs> Probably the earliest examples of Darksiders. Amongst the Jedi Order. Oh yeah, no fucking shit there. And this particular set of the Jedi would turn into the Order of the Terrible Glare. Oof. And instead of, you know, a Grand Master running everything, it was a a, a high shaman of a Terrible Glare. Mm -hmm. And I do believe, like, uh, even though they're not really around anymore, they do have, like, uh, computer terminals that keep the consciousness of their followers into the modern era of Star Wars. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, wish we could know more about the terrible glare order and everything, but it's just kind of interesting that there were a couple of Jedi who were like, I'm down, man. I'm yeah, down with killing there aliens. Are multiple, <laughs> uh, there are multiple I, examples of ancient beings being put into consciousness, or ancient being consciousness being put into computers. Yep. You see that during the Jedi console on Tython. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Um... For some reason, I'm thinking of a Marvel machine, but I know that's not the case. She's an AI and everything. Yeah. Uh, uh, Rajivari. That's what I'm trying to okay, say. Okay, okay. And even though... um, Okay, a couple of interesting notes. Um, Even though the Pius Dia were more concerned with the conquest against the impure of the galaxy, they still allowed, like, you know, scouting parties to survey the entire unexplored regions of the galaxy to colonize more worlds. But that's mostly just secondary. But it is allowed still. Okay, if it is not obvious to everybody, I like aliens more. <laughs> Fuck the humans. 
Jesus Christ! Heretic! <laughs> you are a you are a bloody heretic. Oh my god! Oh man! And there are like many spacers that serve as basically privateers for the pious Diaz, and they would be rewarded heavily with wealth and social standing and everything, which is also kind of reminiscent of 40k. There's these guys called rogue traders who mm -hmm. are basically you know like explorers. They get treasure and everything, and they have like mercenaries on their side and everything which is pretty cool mm -hmm. um and then uh even though the pie uniquely enough even though the pious dia see the alien as disgusting they weren't exactly against alien converts who worked for them and they even allowed aliens to join their ranks like kind of in the same way of that the the empire tolerates fraun and everything yeah yeah, because they have useful traits. Such notable races are uh, Rodians, Wookies, Huts, and Weakways. Hmm. So yeah, even the Huts can be allowed to join the Pious Diaz. Wow. Even though the Pious Diaz fucking hate them with a passion. Hypocrites! <laughs> and during this first crusade into Hut space, the Republic were able to conquer a large amount of territory, and for the next millennia, the Republic would engage in numerous other crusades, specifically 32. Jesus Christ! <laughs> so fucking awesome. Holy shit, dude. In real life, not so awesome, but yeah. No. <laughs> Imagine this Republic, in the modern day, going against the Separatists and just... Curb stomping the fuck out of them. Obviously that didn't happen. No, it did not. I'm glad it didn't fucking happen. No, imagine the Sith Empire decided to go against this pious Diaz uh, Republic. They would get curb stomped instantly. Holy fuck. <laughs> you it's, found... a, it's a good thing Vichy decided to nope. <laughs> yeah. Stay in his own little corner of the galaxy. Yeah, yeah, it's a good thing that the Sith didn't meet the Republic at this time. They had to wait for another 20,000 years. Yep, or they stayed in their own little quarter They're of like, the galaxy. Nope. <laughs> I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole. Yeah, it's also it's kind of an interesting point in Star Wars history because this is kind of a few, one of a few times that something bad happens to the Republic that wasn't caused by the Sith. Yeah. It was just this a bunch of religious extremism that thought humans are awesome. But anyway, um, aside from the Huts. The Pius Diaz also went on a crusade against other alien races, such as the uh, Zabrak, the Boffins, the Lanux, which are like the little pointy-eared people. And they even... So there's this alien race called the Zerikans. Um, There's no image of them, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But they bombarded their world so hard, it became an irradiated wasteland. And the remaining members of a race were forced to become nomads. They got the Mandalore treatment. Yep, they got the Mandalore treatment. Oof. And when the, uh, the uh, Separatist crisis came in and Count Dooku created a confederacy, those guys instantly joined them because they had this growing resentment towards the Republic. No fucking time. shit! I wouldn't blame them, no. I don't blame them at all! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I've said several times my my D D character, Liel, wanted to join the Separatists because they had great ideals. Yep. It's Dooku that fucking ruined it oh, for yeah, her. Oh yeah, absolutely. If Dooku did not uh, become the leader of the Separatists, oh yeah, it would have been a great faction. Yep. <laughs> anyway, um... Fucking thanks, Dooku. Yeah. And let me see, uh... And in this entire period, it's kind of, uh, as most Americans would remember, um, the Pius Diaz believed it to be their divine right to Conquer the galaxy, their own version of a manifest destiny. Oh my god. Yep. The goddess wills it, yeah. Exactly what happened in history with the actual crusades, <laughs> and it's not good. No, it is not. This is so terrible. Imagine that, but on a galaxy-wide scale. This is horrible. <laughs> it is fucking terrifying. I'm so glad this is a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> in a long, yeah, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> also, um, okay, I'm going to actually send you another picture. In this particular era, there was a new, uh, a unique special forces unit called the Republic Rocket Troopers. Let me actually send you a picture of them. Oh, God damn it. Um, okay, if you look in the thumbnail art, 
You see that uh that blue guy with the jetpack mm-hmm. on the far left? Yep. That's what they look like, basically. Okay. They are kind of the uh, earliest version. They have like the earliest version of the jetpacks in the Star Wars universe. Okay. And they're called the rock. They're called the rocket jumpers, but they're also called the uh, rocket jumper elite advanced unit. That's mm. a mouthful. Um, yeah. They were basically elite soldiers that were equipped with these jetpacks, and they were tasked with holding the line against any enemy forces until reinforcements arrived or assistance was received via heavy artillery. Uh, oh yeah, by the way, um, Papaya's Dia engaged in trench warfare all across the galaxy. Oh, allusions to World War One and Two. Nice. End of a solo movie, if you think about it. It's been a while since I've seen Solo, so I can't remember. <laughs> okay, point is, in the Solo movie, Han Solo joins the Imperial military and he gets thrown into the front lines, which is like classical trench warfare and everything. Yay, World <laughs> War One illusions. Oh, man, yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty interesting that these guys were kind of created during this particular era of Star Wars. I did not know that when I was doing my research. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> funny enough... Uh, when I was doing my research, the, the thumbnail artist was still designing it. And I was like, okay, throw this guy in there. Just to, <laughs> because there's very few instances of like character designs for his era. Except for the, uh, you know, cathedral ships and everything. Mm-hmm. So I just threw designs at him to put all over it. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, while things were going well for the Pius Dia Republic, it still faced a fair amount of opposition. Mainly by the Huts. I think there was like three or four main crusades against the Huts, and they... Well, of course, they're killing all their slaves. Yeah, and, they, and the Huts stood strong. Like, okay, if you look at this fucking map over here, it'll be a nice little perspective on uh, <laughs> what was uh, going on at the time. Um, Yeah, that entire red area, that's the Republic. And that green area is the Huts. Holy shit. Yeah, and the Huts were like, fuck you, Republic. We're not going to surrender. Fuck you. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, the Huts were kind of giga-chads during that entire era of Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things I admire about the Huts. It's like, much like the Republic, they're also got the endurance of cockroaches. Yeah. You just throw something at them, and they'll throw an equal amount right back. Holy shit, that's a lot. That is a lot. However, there was another world that saw what the Republic was doing, and they were like, this is not good at all. And that was their ancient rival of Aliskan. Aliskan, I don't know too much information on it, but it was one of the Republic's largest rival in its early days. Hmm. It was a Eukonopolis, much like Coruscant is. Mm-hmm. Think of it as, like, opposite Coruscant, basically. Mm-hmm. And the Aliskan were... Kind of making their own section of space. And I think... I, sorry. Yeah. I think Torian mentions it. Yeah. Briefly, but he mentions it. Yeah, He's it's just kind of like one of those uh, background things. Like, oh yeah, the Aliskan, the ancient rivals of Coruscant. That's sort of thing. think Coruscant, but a lot dirtier. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and for once, the Aliskans, um, they created a sphere of space. And... It was basically a refuge for many uh, people that didn't believe in the religious fervor of the pious Diaz and, you know, aliens to take refuge at. Nice. And the Republic didn't like the Aliskans to begin with, and they were all like, I'm watching you. I'm watching <laughs> you, you son of a bitch. Um, but seeing what was going on, uh, <laughs> so at around uh, 11,100 years before the Battle of Yavin, the numerous crusades were being stalled because, you know, the huts were basically being gigachats telling them to fuck off and mm-hmm. everything. For the eyes of a pious dia would turn around a complete 180 degrees and they focused on their own people. Really? Yeah. They... They kind of looked at these holy crusades, and the mere fact that they were not making any progress with the Huts was, in their perspective, not everybody is faithful to the, their ideologies. And, Jeez, that <laughs> took long. Yeah, and they created an organization called literally the Inquisition. Of course. And, you know, the Spanish... Nobody suspects the, the Spanish, Spanish Inquisition! Inquisition. <laughs> yeah, and they 
Creative the Inquisition and these tribunals and courts basically doing a giant witch hunt on their own populace. Like, oh, this Mary, our neighbor over there, our noisy neighbor, she doesn't believe in the pious Diaz. Is that so? Okay, time to interrogate her and execute her, that sort of thing. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me see. Uh, and... While all of that was happening, there was this certain race. They were called the Kamasi. And I will send you a picture of these guys because... I've heard of the Kamasi. I just don't know what they look like. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I'm sending them over to you. Uh, so the Kamasi, they're kind of this true slash mole looking people. They, have, they wear these luxurious looking robes, though. Oh, the ones with the big noses. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Kamasi are like the best mediators and peacekeepers in the entire galaxy. And their culture was a direct inspiration for the Jedi Code in its early days. Okay, cool. So, just to give you an idea of how important these guys are. The Kamasi looked at all of this shit that has been happening for the Republic for the last thousand years or so. Mm -hmm. And they were all like, this, this is so fucked up. And... These, uh, the Republic is persecuting its own people. We need to stop this madness once and for all. So they personally went to Ossus and convinced the Jedi, hey, we're going to need you guys to restore order to the Republic. And the Jedi like, okay, we'll join your cause. And the Jedi, you know, the Jedi... It um, didn't take that much convincing. <laughs> and the Jedi and the Kamasi... Um, they gained an ally within the Republic's rival of Alaskan. And not so long after, they also got a... Okay, so the boys are back in town. The boys are back <laughs> in town. The Jedi, the Kamasi, the Alaskans, they have this little coalition going on. But even though the Pious Diaz were kind of focusing on persecuting their own people and everything, um, they still had a formidable military and everything. Mm -hmm. And even though there were like some... They needed to be smart about this. So the Jedi and the Kamasi kind of infiltrated the ranks of a pious deist religion. And they were kind of spreading these peaceful ideologies. Like, hey, maybe the aliens aren't so bad. Maybe you should change your mind. That sort of thing. And there were there was a new sect within the pious deist. Um, Let me see if I could find the name. They were called the... Uh... <laughs> God damn it. Why can't I find this motherfucking thing? Um... The Renunciates, that's what they're called. They're called the Renunciates, and they're kind of a more peaceful idea on human centralism. It's all like, hey, humans are important, but we shouldn't be killing aliens over it, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And they were kind of uh, going more towards the Jedi's coalition and everything. Mm -hmm. And there was even this particular individual, if I could find him. Uh, okay, there we go. There was even this... Really great Republic Admiral named Paris Paradox, who was a member of a Renunciates, and he even found this one world called Presville Pres Okay, it's a mouthful. It's Presbolt 4, something like that. Okay. And it's basically this secret world, this secret colony world, where a lot of uh, more less extremist members of a pious Diaz would go to seek refuge. And I'll send you a picture of this world, too. Um, yeah, there's legitimately one picture of it. And it's in the Imperial era, which is why there's TIE fighters and everything in that picture. Okay. So, basically, the Admiral has a secret military stronghold to unify his loyalist forces to help the Republic and Alaskan. Uh, not for Republic and Alaskan. The Republic... The Jedi and Alaskan, this okay. little coalition. And even though they do have a sizable military force, this alone would not be enough to triumph over the might of a pious Diaz uh, crusade forces and everything. But they had a new ally that joined them. And it was this organization called the Bureau of Ships and Services. Hmm. It's, it's one of those... Um, uh, Neutral organizations that has been around since space travel was a thing. Um, they are basically responsible for giving out transponder codes and, uh, you know, crew logs and everything to every single ship in the galaxy. Think of them as like the DMV of space. Okay. And these guys are uber, 
influential. They don't align to a certain government of the galaxy. They just kind of work for everybody. Like, they have their own culture. They even have their own fucking language. Wow. It's, that's how much of an uh, independent nation they are. Like, even in the modern era of Star Wars, when Palpatine took over, not even the Empire fucked with them. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> their uh, literal acronym is BOSS. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Um, so they had a new powerful ally, the DMV of Star Wars, that sort of thing. And as the, uh, they got, you know, the boys are back in town, as I like to say before. Um, this new coalition, um, they were getting closer to overthrowing this madness that had overtaken the Republic. They just needed one important thing, and that was a distraction. Mm -hmm. And... That distraction came with the uh, 34th Crusade. Where the... So basically the Republic decided to go on another crusade against the Huts. And at the very same... <laughs> and at the very same time, the Aliskan decided to declare war on the Republic. So basically they were fighting a two-front war on this thing. Um, let me see. And this started a chain reaction. Numerous renunciates across the... Republic Loyalist Worlds across the Republic just created this massive civil war between the faithful, which are the Loyalists, uh, Pius Diaz, and the Renunciates. Mm -hmm. And Syntopex the 13th, I believe it is. Um, Syntopex the 13th gathered together his remaining crusade forces because he kind of figured out where the uh, coalition forces are. And he wanted to go meet them and crush them once and for all. And he sent his fleet into hyperspace. But here's the thing. This is uh, for the reason why Boss came into the picture. Because, you know, what... <laughs> so, what does the DMV of Star Wars naturally do? They control the hyperlanes, don't they? Not the hyperlanes, or... just the uh, transponder codes and the ships themselves. Of course, I don't know what transponder codes do. So, so think of them as like, uh, so you... Think of them as almost like a GPS in space. Okay. Oh, they missed that, didn't they? <laughs> so they send... So they basically put rogue Navi computers on their cathedral ships. And they basically... Once they send this particular code to each cathedral ship, they would just go out into a different section of the galaxy in deep fucking space. That's funny. It's just like, nope, you're going that way. You're going that way into the void between galaxies. And... Those cathedral ships that found themselves in deep space, they would find out, oh shit, the hyperdrive doesn't work. Oh, and, fuck. And our communications doesn't work either. They got stranded. They got stranded in the middle of fucking space. <laughs> oh, no. And they just starved. Oh, no. The few cathedral ships that Yay, did. Yay, war crimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is why you don't fuck with the DMV of Star Wars. <laughs> and the few cathedral ships that didn't. Uh, get stranded in the middle of space, arrived at where the coalition forces are. But they found themselves heavily outnumbered. Well, <laughs> makes sense. And they just got dumpstered by the uh, Jedi, the, the, the coalition forces and everything. And it led to this final confrontation where... <laughs> so there's a strike team of Jedi Knights that boarded the Pius Dia flagship, which the Chancellor was on. It was called the Flame Sephara, which was a very pious name for a ship. Um, and they managed to capture the Supreme Chancellor, um, brought him to Kamas to be tried for his crimes against the galaxy, and he would be prison for fucking life. Well, makes sense. And then uh, the Jedi Council basically suspended the Galactic Senate until everything could be resolved, get all the uh, Pius Diaz loyalists out of there, and... Even though the Pius Diaz has been restricted, so to speak, they still needed a new chancellor to take over the position. And in comes this individual named Bilel Dectivis. Not only was he uh, a contributing factor to helping capture the Supreme Chancellor, he was the Grand Master of the Jedi Order itself. Oh, wow. So a Grand Master can become a Chancellor. In very specific circumstances, yes. Hmm. And then, uh, so, you know, he 
got the position of Supreme Chancellor, got everything back in order, that sort of thing. Um, and for Republic, the Pius Diaz, I wouldn't say complete, were completely wiped out, but for all intents and purposes, they were no longer existent. Mm-hmm. And that was the end of a brutal era of the Pius Diaz Crusades. Holy shit, dude. And even though it was kind of a minor footnote, only lasted a thousand years. I That's say, still a I, long time. I, I casually say a thousand years. No big deal. <laughs> That's still a long fucking time. That is still a long fucking time. And even though um, the Pius Diaz would be a minor footnote in, in the context of a republic's massive history... It would change the galaxy forever. And, you know, the, even though Pius Diaz was no longer around, it would leave traces of human centralism within many core worlds of a republic and this growing resentment with the Outer Rim and everything. Not surprised. And it would eventually evolve into uh, this practice called human high culture, which is pretty, you know, self-explanatory. They believe humans are superior. And... It would remain prominent within both the Republic and later the Galactic Empire. Yep. Especially in the Galactic Empire. Oh, absolutely. And <laughs> a minor footnote, uh, remember that uh, imp- uh, that Republic Admiral that turned uh, to the side of a Jedi and everything? Uh-huh. So he helped reorganize the Republic, the modern-day Republic Navy. And he would be known throughout history as the father of a Republic Navy. Nice. And on that particular world, which is too hard to pronounce, um, they act, the inhabitants of that world actually erected a, a uh, castle in his name. Cool. And I think this is a nice little detail. Um, there's a military academy on that world. And before uh, <laughs> the, the night before graduation, each cadet would walk from the castle to his crypt within the castle and say that, uh, you know, tell their, tell the uh, body of a father of a Republic Navy that they will do their best to serve the Republic. That's cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that is the Pius Diaz Crusades. Wow. (laughs) That is... (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I'm speechless. Yeah, I, you I, are speechless. I don't, I don't have any words. Yeah, it was literally the Great Crusades, but in Star Wars. Yep. It's, this is, you can understand why uh, so many of our uh, Patreons wanted us to do this episode. I can, I can definitely see why now. You know, um, even though it's very unlikely that Disney would ever dive into this particular... Disney would never <laughs> <No>. touch this. <laughs> It would be kind of interesting if they, like, mentioned the Pius Diaz Crusade again. Disney would never fucking touch this. No, they would not. But it's a pipe dream for most fans of Star Wars. Hell, people lost their shit when they included a a person wearing a transgender-colored shirt. I remember that, In (laughs) Baymax. Including a whole crusade? No one's gonna go for that. No. Especially with Disney. Yeah. Lucasfilms might have been able to get away with it, but now that Disney overlords own it, no. Yeah, unfortunately, um, one of the many things we'll probably never dive into in the modern era of Star Wars, but I think it's just so batshit crazy. It is batshit crazy! <laughs> it's like the only part of a Star Wars uh, timeline where it's legit grim dark. Everything's horrible. Oh yeah, this has a lot of allusions to 40k. yeah. Yeah, I know you're not a huge fan. I began to get into 40k myself, but yeah, this just not a huge speaks fan. I know 40k about it. <laughs> but anyway, that and also kind of a uh, interesting theory that I came up with for myself is the goddess. Who exactly is the goddess? In my personal head canon, I like to think it's Abeloth. Why Abeloth? Because, uh, you know, she's a powerful figure in the Star Wars galaxy. And she is literally... We'll do an entire episode on Abeloth. She deserves her own episode. Point is, she is literally the embodiment of chaos. And I like to think she went to these particular, you know, founding members of the Pius Deus. And is like, hey, hey, I'm human. You're human. Go ahead and fuck up some aliens of the Outer Rim. Wow. Just sowing general chaos. That's her thing. I can see that. Yeah, just tentacle mama just telling them to go fuck <laughs> shit up. 
<laughs> but anyway, um, before I babble on anymore, that is our episode of Can Mayonnaise Kill a Jedi? Or in this case, How Many Heretics Him for Republic Kill? Oh, good lord. <laughs> Well, Isaac, what's our next episode going to be about? All right, don't worry. It won't be. It will be something less head-inducing for you. Um, <laughs> it's kind of my turn right now. The Pius Diaz Crusade. I hope you Patreons uh, love that. Um, but anyway, our next episode will be a little bit of a shorter topic because it helps out with editing and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the next episode, we will be exploring one of my most favorite droids in all of Star Wars. The, um, the Scorpionic Annihilator droid. Okay. I know, kind of a uh, curveball for you, but... Uh, it's definitely <laughs> a curveball. We haven't talked about many droids before. No, so. we have not. I it's think this is our legit first droid episode. Nothing wrong with that. Exactly. But anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this crazy episode of uh, McCann Man Ice Kill a Jedi Crazy is putting it lightly. Yeah, crazy as in blowing everything the fuck up kind of crazy. Yep. But anyway, hope you enjoy this episode. Have a great rest of your day. And uh, yeah, we'll see you in the next episode. This is the way. This is the way. And may the force be with you. And make sure to kill plenty of heretics while you're at it. (laughs) All right. Goodbye. Adios.